I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me uh, this afternoon or this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, we've all been through uh, basically deja vu the last three days. The Islanders beat the Sabres three straight games by identical scores of 5-2. And uh, including their win against the Devils on Tuesday, made for an eight-point week and. uh you know, there's little things you can nitpick here and there, but really it doesn't get any better than that. Four regulation wins, eight points, first place, looking pretty good right now. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been a, a really fun couple of days. Uh, and I I was a little nervous, like, going into the stretch just because, like, these – the last time – in the beginning of the year, the Islanders had some opportunities against good teams that were banged up or – uh, had you know COVID issues and they never really took advantage of them. So this this schedule opened up again for them, uh, and they did. They took a complete advantage of it. Obviously, they couldn't have done any better. Uh, and it was uh, you know people are like talking about it being Groundhog Day, seeing the same thing over and over again. But it, it, it's just very nice to be on the side of uh, that kind of stuff. Like like we we talked about. Like I I wanted the Islanders to be a boogeyman for. The Sabers. I want the Sabers and their fans to be sick of seeing the Islanders and getting the crap crap kicked out of them by the Islanders, and they did. And you you just heard the broadcasts and like Twitter people. I think one thing that was funny, um, and this is you know kind of part of that whole theme. Uh, so much attention was being paid towards how bad the Sabers were, and it was there was very little being paid towards. Uh, you know, maybe they just ran into a good team. People kind of just mentioned the Islanders in passing. Uh, 
as a and part of that is because maybe they're you know the expectation is that the Islanders are supposed to be good and they're good, so you don't really need to dive into it. But uh, just seeing the way that Buffalo was the adjectives put in front of them, you know, lowly Buffalo Sabers, downtrodden Buffalo Sabers, pathetic, whatever you want to do, um, brought back like a little bit of uh, you know PTSD from when the Islanders were basically in this same kind of spot, which was a team that not only were they a mess on the ice, but obviously management ownership, like the, the, the Sabres aren't just bad because their coach is not up to par. It's a, this is a deep rooted issue, obviously with, with Buffalo and the Islanders uh, fans can kind of commiserate with Sabres fans in that regard. And uh, almost like provide like a little bit of hope, right? Like you'd, you'd be like, look, like if you do end up getting, you know, some, some, someone to stabilize the franchise, like it really does make a huge difference, but it just was so, thank God that it's just like, we're on this side of, of that mountain now. It, that, that's, I, that was one of the big things that I couldn't stop thinking about um, during this three game series. It's just like seeing those words that I used to hate when people would be like, well, you know, it was just the Islanders, the lowly Islanders. I used to hate the word lowly so much, uh, you know, just growing up when I did it with the Islanders. I was telling my wife that, you know, I was hoping I've been waiting decades for an Islanders team to go into a game against a team lower than them in the standings and just win the game. Like, it's just that simple. You know, I mean, this has been years of this. And I remember and we're going to talk a lot about the retro uh, reverse retro jerseys later. But like there were many, many nights of the Islanders wearing the, those original versions of those jerseys where. You know, they, they weren't like the worst team in the league. There was always like an Ottawa or a Tampa Bay or a Vancouver or somebody below them. And then you'd go into that game and you'd be thinking, all right, well, you know, like, you know, it's Atlanta. Okay, they're an expansion team. Maybe we can pick up a couple of points here. And then they would always lose that game. You know, they would always go into that game and lose it. And now they're on the other side. Like you said, the other side of the mountain. Like they, they're the ones who are winning those games and winning them pretty convincingly. Um there is uh, a PTSD, PTSD is a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we have a, have a specific sort of, you know, feeling about this and, and a, we know what Sabres fans are going through and it's tough. Like it's tough watching this. Everybody wants the coach fired. Everybody wants this dude traded and that dude trade, you know, it's going to be hard to get a coach now when, you know, he's got a quarantine or whatever, when your team feels, it feels hopeless. The owner doesn't seem to really care all that much. The knives are out. You know, Buffalo has, you know, four or five times the amount of hockey media that the Islanders do. And so, you know, when the knives are out for the Sabres, they're really out. You know, like people want this, you know, Mike, Mike Harrington, who's, you know, a bit of a, can be a bit of a prick on Twitter, but he's like, he, every single day he calls the, he calls them disgraceful. He called them disgraceful to coach Ralph Kruger's face. And Kruger just apparently was just like, gave him some kind of sell job or whatever. And he wasn't buying it, you know, and, and it's, it's a rough thing, but, we understand what kind of rough that is. And like you said, I mean, the Islanders found the right people and are now on the other side of that. And I do find it funny that like everybody loves piling on the Sabres. They're everybody's favorite convenient pinata. You know, <laughs> these guys they all stink. These guys, they can't get out of their own way. But at the same time, like a lot of those same people like to pick on the Islanders because, you know, oh, it's boring trots hockey or Lou is old. He's lost his touch. He, you know, his rules are stupid, whatever. But it's like we're into year three of this now and you can we can nitpick and well, not nitpick, but we can criticize, you know, Lou and, and Barry's decisions all they want. I mean, you know, Trotz has made lineup decisions that scratch our heads. 
Lewis handed out contracts that made us scratch our heads. Ironically, they're both personified in the person of Leo Komarov, which is another story for another time, I guess. But like, you know, there's, you know, they're not perfect, but at the same time, you can't argue with the fact that these two guys came in at the same exact time and along with Anders Lee as the captain, you know, the guy who all the players really listen to, which is why he's the captain. They're all on the same page and they've all gotten results and they all understand that there are expectations now. And even Barry and Lou joke about, well, culture is really just, you know, your expectations you've kind of placed on yourself and the way you're doing things, but there are expectations now. And so you can, we can criticize them and you could call them whatever you want. But at the end of the day, these guys just picked up eight points in a week where they had, they played two teams below them in the standings and they got them. And now they're in first place and they're on to the next challenge, which is Tuesday against Boston. So, you know, it's hard to really argue against the, the results when you look at what could be, which really in this case, <laughs> the Sabres, they're like the ghost of Christmas past, you know? Right. Yeah. That the Sabres are a great like mirror of what the Islanders could have been right. Uh, 2015 draft pick who now wants out who's super or we think wants out he certainly like doesn't look like he's having fun playing for the team he's playing for um like this the the islanders could be could have been just that exact team almost like it's it's very very um jarring to watch uh and yeah it's just like i think we're going to see in like the next year or maybe two a season or two and and people people when people have like these takes and opinions about whether it's trots or whether it's about a trade what they everyone overreacts this is the worst draft pick in and ever uh you drafted this guy 15 slots too high and then that's it they just move on and then in, when when that hot take is proved wrong it's like nobody remembers it and it's not like anyone's held accountable it's like like you say sometimes like talk radio it's just you know you can say these have these opinions and then once they're proven wrong like um it's not. It's not like you lose your job for thinking that drafting more Sider sixth overall or whatever the Red Wings what drafted him was like way too high. Uh, as a Twitter fan uh, analyst, like you're not going to lose your job for that. So uh, people can say that, and and I think that that's we're going to see that with Lamarillo and Trotz a little bit. Uh, not Trotz as much, but more Lou and like that. Teams are going to start kind of leaning more into. All right, like instead of just rebuilding on the ice and and just handing the keys over to you know the the first big draft pick we get, like we we should probably start from the top, from the very top, and follow the Islanders' model. Like that is going to be something that is people are going to say. Um, so when people people have laughed at like the way the Islanders have gone about their business and stuff, and like the way they play and and whatever, but in a couple of years, when this is this obviously has been being proven right. Um, Again, uh, in another season, like we're halfway, almost halfway through a season, they're playing well. And sure, there's plenty of time for this thing to go south. Um, and but at this point, it doesn't look like you know. It does, there's no kind of signals for that yet. Uh, knock on wood. But uh, like people are going to venture into that, and all the people who you know made fun of it um, are going to start saying, "Oh, well, you know, this is a good idea. Like you got to, you know, you go with that model." And uh, and they're going to be the same people that made fun of Lamarillo and. I, I think about it like uh, Chris. Remember, like two years ago or three years ago, everyone just made fun of Chris Russell on Twitter for ever. Like yeah. that was a thing oh, yeah. to do. You just make fun of Chris Russell, like if you want to get a couple. <laughs> still do. Yeah, cheap hockey lights. But I feel like that's he's like been replaced by like fifteen guys, and I'm just thinking like, what what happened to like now we all make fun of Eric Goodbranson? Like we you used to make fun of Chris Russell, <laughs> well, like Risto Ristolainen, or yeah, Rast- yeah, he's Rast- the new whipping boy, yeah. right? Exactly. Like these, you know, you move on. Uh, so 
and when after everyone's made fun of the Islanders for or makes fun of Lou, and then in four years from now they're gonna all say, well, if you just you know go that route and hire a proven guy who can come in and like completely change up the organization, that's the right way. And those people who say that, who write those op eds for the Toronto Sun or uh, you know wh- wh- whoever, are gonna be the same people who have who criticized Lamarillo for the way he he does things uh, yeah. in the past. So uh, it's it's this, this so somehow the Sabers have kind of opened up this like hockey cosmic wormhole into what could have been and shown me like just this new appreciation again. And I, I don't know how many times I can say it because I say it every episode. It's just like how much I appreciate, appreciate the man standing behind the bench uh, because uh, the bench behind the bench, he's just the best man. Like he is, uh, it's just all kind of just like goes back to him. Uh, and, and you just can, it's, it's not, it's not technically tangible, but it is completely tangible what he's, had this team doing and like you've put a couple minutes ago about just being a team that's better than you like that's probably what Barry Trotz said in the room he's just like this is a team you got to beat here's how we're going to beat them if you follow this plan it's going to happen and then they do or they don't and most of the time they do yeah it's all about just expectations like the idea is you know go out with the expectation that you got to win you have to win the game this is a winning business this is a results league as Barry Trotz says and it's not a developmental league and so you know, that was the number one thing that he came in. And, and you know, I mean, it's funny that we're still talking about stuff he said when he came in, but he was like, they just removed all excuses. Like, you have to play, you have to play this way, and this is how we're going to win. And, and apparently, uh, somebody mentioned this in the, uh, the comments uh, at Lighthouse Hockey after the game. Like, Keith Jones apparently was like, the Islanders play the right way, and the Sabres don't. <laughs> and it's like, you know, uh, that's pretty much what it boils down to. And, you know, I mean, look, they, so they won all three games by five, two scores. So you know the Sabers did get have a you know some measure of a tiny bit of success. I mean they they made it two one. The first game Taylor Hall made it two one with his second goal of the season. You know by by that point they were down two two nothing. Matt Martin had scored a goal off the side of a goalie's head. Like that's absurd. You know I mean that's the kind of thing that happens when you're in you're in this kind of thing like the Sabers are. But then you know what I liked and what Trotz has been saying too is that. You know, they, they give up these kinds of things, but then they get it right back. So in game one, it, Hall makes it 2-1, and then Beauvillier scores, and he makes it 3-1. On Saturday, uh, they um, they go, uh, you know, they make, it's one nothing Sabres, 33 seconds in, and the Islanders just kind of take over. Like, they were a little sloppy. There were a couple extra turnovers, but then in the fourth, in the second period, Barzell makes that insane goal. We'll talk about that in a second. And it just, like completely dismantles the the Sabres. And then a minute later, it's Nelson. Then a couple of minutes later, it's Clutterbuck. And then a couple of minutes later, it's Mayfield. And, you know, whatever momentum the Sabres had or, you know, confidence they had gained from that one nothing lead after one period has completely dissipated. Even after Sam Reinhardt scores a power play goal, Lee, a minute and a half later, scores again and just takes it right back. So that's – and then today, the same thing happened. The Islanders were up 3 nothing after two. Um, the Sabres get two quick ones. And I mean, I'll be honest, I was worried. Like It was like, oh, please don't do this on national television. But then Cal Clutterbuck shows up. And, I mean, the, the very next shift was right back in the Sabres zone. Like the Islanders weren't weren't having any of it. And then a couple of minutes later, Cal Clutterbuck on a gorgeous backhand makes it 4-2. And the game is essentially over. Nelson sealed it with his second goal, which is an empty netter. And, and that was the end of it. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that, again, you need to do. There's going to be a little bit of pull. There's good players on every team in this league, no matter how bad they are. The Islanders just didn't let it get to them. They got it right back. In contrast, again, another one to Sabres going back to Saturday afternoon. Barzell scores that goal, 
which is now, you know, everybody's favorite goal of the year candidate, goes around Rissalainen. He puts it between his legs, uh, scores on Carter Hutton. True story. I, I watched the game on the laptop, as I always do. My wife and mother-in-law were in the kitchen uh, attending, well, a Zoom wedding. A family friend of ours got married. They had it on Zoom so that more people can watch it. And I had been quiet. You know, I'm sure they had us on mute. But as soon as that goal was scored, I just started hooting and hollering. Like I, I was like, I couldn't believe what I just saw. My daughter was sitting next to me. I'm like, you got to see this. You got to see this goal. This is the craziest goal I've ever seen. And uh, that goal in a vacuum is amazing. But when you remember that the Sabres were up one nothing, and then Matt Barzell tied the game with that goal, and you realize that that completely dismantled and demoralized the entire Sabres team, it becomes even more incredible. And from that point on, it was all Islanders, and then the game was over. So, like that's that's one of the most astonishing things I've ever seen in a game. Just outside of the vacuum of the actual goal, it's just crazy. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times when these goals are scored, like the game is opened up because you know Connor McDavid and the Oilers are up three one or five two, and then he does something crazy because just score effects have the game is opened up and one team's chasing the play and taking risks and the other isn't. But this, yeah, like you said, this was a huge moment, and. There, if one of my favorite things to do watching the goal, which you know I have now watched <laughs> a thousand times, is right. you you watch it and and think to yourself as you're watching it, at what point is he more likely to score than not? And the answer is not at no point. Like until the puck actually goes in the net, like there's no point that 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 he is in like any sort of position to score that goal. Uh the just the amount of I. I don't know. Like it's hard to describe that one because it's it's you think about oh man, it's so athletic the the, the strength it takes to hold off Ristolainen, uh to then be able not only hold him off, he's so wide to have such good skating ability to shift his weight towards the goal at an angle where he can get the goalie moving one way and go back the other way, and then to have the like the hockey sense and brilliance to go through. And I always say it like this guy, like Matt Matt Barzell, to me is 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 the most like romantic hockey player i've ever seen there's there's just some sort of you know beaut- everything he does it's like so nice to watch and beautiful to watch like that 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 type of goal if if uh the if red wings can throw octop- octopus on the ice and the panthers can throw rats like i think islander fans when matt barzell does something like that like you should be able to throw a bouquet of roses like he he should have done his post-game interview with shannon Hold, you know how after like a gymnastics meet, like the winner has like these big roses or something, and they're you know talking to the the interviewer that he should have been hold, holding a huge bouquet of roses, mm. uh, talking to Shannon just because like that's that's how just gorgeous that goal was, and it's just I I don't think people are realize like <laughs> another thing too that the goal did was it, it obviously drew attention towards the Islanders in a funny way where it's like people were talking about the goal and Matt Barzell as a player and how great he is and how much fun he is to watch. But I don't still don't think people are realizing what's going on with the Islanders yet. Like that they've been good. Like people are mentioned, like I said, mentioning them in passing. Like the Islanders are good again, as we expected, even though people were picking them. Not nobody was really picking them to make the playoffs in this division. That but they'll they'll say that they they always expect them to be good. Um so it's but it's the attention's going towards Barzell and it's going towards his skill. And people haven't realized that he's definitely taken a step forward this year in every part of the game. Uh, he, he's become like this, like you said before the season, you wanted him to become Patrice Bergeron. I always say like Pavel Datsuk, like he's becoming that he's in that tier now. He is, if he was on a different team, like this guy, people would be talking about this guy for a lot other, uh, things 
whether like I, I'm sure he doesn't have the point totals obviously to to compete with the the North Division All Stars, but like everything else he does, like he he to me has been one of the best. I I've watched so much hockey this year, and I'm like this he it, to me has been one of the most impressive players uh, in the league because of what he's doing everywhere. Like it's just he's mesmerizing, uh, and it's not he's not like slowing down, and he's pulling if he's pulling stunts like that. Uh, you know, now like he, there's still so much time left for him to, to, to top it. It's just, oh man, we're blessed. We are blessed to have that guy. Yeah. His defensive work has been phenomenal. I think it's between he, him and Lee as the most advanced guys. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but Arthur Staple mentioned on his podcast a couple weeks ago that Lee had gone into the off season, wanted to get quicker. I think getting a little bit lighter, a little bit more agile. And he's been fantastic. He has, he scored six goals just against the Sabres this season. And he's got, I think he's got 10 altogether and, and he looks noticeably faster. And I wonder if playing with Barzell, knowing he's getting better, you know, made Lee go, I think I need to get a little bit faster too. And, and he, I mean, he's still as big as he is and he still does what he does in front of the net, but he's been noticeably faster and, and, you know, the team is going to be better for it. Um, Yeah. That, <laughs> that goal is, uh, you know, I remember as you were talking about, like I remembered a couple of years ago, actually, now that I think about it, it was the year I think the Rangers went to the finals. So I guess it was 2014. They started with like a West coast swing and they played in San Jose and Thomas hurdle. Uh, the Sharks scored almost that exact same kind of goal on Henrik Lundqvist. And, and uh, you know, it was like a mind-boggling thing. It was like the first game of the season or something. And it was crazy. But the Sharks, I think, were up like 6-1 to one or something or 5-1 to one at that time. And that, like you said, that that's usually when those goals happen. But this happened when it was just one nothing, And to have the wherewithal to do that, and then the Sabres just, again, completely collapsed after that. And, you know, Lee scored a, a minute later. Uh, oh no, excuse me. Nelson scored a minute later and then, you know, it was four, nothing Islanders, but it was four, one Islanders by the end of the period that had started one, nothing Buffalo. Uh, I mean, Scott Mayfield is scoring goals for God's sake. So, you know, it's, it, it was pretty remarkable. And, um, yeah, I mean, I saw a tweet that was like, you know, the, the Penguins haven't played the Sabres at all this year and the Islanders are, you know, six and oh, or whatever, seven and oh against them. And it's like, well, yeah, that might be true, but they need to win these games and the Penguins are going to have to win these games too. And if they drop one to these dudes, that's a problem. And the Islanders are going to need to beat the Penguins too. I mean, they went, you know, whatever it was, like two and five, two and three against them or something like that, two and six against them or two and two and four, I think, against them right now. So that's going to need to get better. And the schedule is going to get tougher. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit on the other side. Um, but like we said, these, this is the way the schedule is presented to you. And you need to win these games. And the Islanders came out and did what they had to do and did it convincingly so that there is no mistake. They are where they are, and they deserve to be where they are. Right now, they have the best goal differential in the division, although there's a bunch of games played now. They're, they have played the most games. So if you're looking for uh, a tarnished lining, whatever the opposite of a silver lining is, that's really the kind of big one. Is They've played the most games. Um, everybody else, a lot of other teams have had like sort of COVID timeouts a little bit. Uh, the Islanders haven't had that. So that is something, you know, like the, they have, I think, They've played four more games than the Flyers, although the Flyers play tonight, so that'll be three. Um, and so, you know, you, you do wonder what happens when, you know, say the Flyers win those three games in hand or something, then the the, the this, uh, standings are going to get a lot tighter. But again, you, right now, as it is about a quarter of the way through the season, they're in first place. They got the, you know, best goal differential. They're, you know, beating teams they're supposed to beat. And this is exactly what it was. And take it from me, the guy who said the season was over. About three weeks ago, the season is not over. <laughs> it's a long time to go. And if they can take, 
you know, what they've done here against this team and translate it to against the better teams who in this division, everybody's better than the Sabres are. Um, yeah, you're looking at a, at a pretty, pretty darn good season and pretty good uh, playoff positioning once uh, the postseason comes around. Yeah, I mean, at the same time that nobody's paying attention to to how well the Islanders are playing, there's very few people trying to like poke legitimate holes in them like they usually do, and 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 that tells you what you need to know is that you know they they do have a great statistical portfolio too. I think they're fourth in five on five expected goals. Like their high danger chances are great. Their defensive numbers are better than they've ever been. I mean, this is year three of the system. So uh, when I think this was the year that Trot said like, yeah, we'll, we'll you know hopefully we have this all sorted out by the third year or something. Uh, they they do. Uh, like I think it looks like they do. Uh, but yeah, the, the schedule thing is great because I thought it was funny that all these people are saying, you know, they're crying foul when people are like, yeah, like of course the Leafs are doing well this year because they're playing in this division where everybody plays the exact style of hockey that Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe want to play, and they are better at it. So that's why it works. But if you you know with the Islanders, it's not. It's uh, it's it's coming and it's like yeah, they'll it's okay to make fun of the schedule that the Islanders have played, even though they've, they're three and zero against the Bruins. Uh, I think they're five, two and two against the Bruins and Penguins. So I don't know where that, you know, why that was even like brought up. And like you said, you can, you can only beat the teams that you want to beat. And they're not, it's not like the Islanders are down three, one in the third period in these games against the Sabres and come back right. and get lucky on, you know, uh, a disallowed goal or some crazy thing. It's they're winning games that they deserve to win. Like that's it. Um, it's not anything else. And so, that that stuff's gonna keep popping up, I think. Just you know, because I think the next week, you know, they they play uh, a couple games against the Devils or whatever, mostly. And and if they do well, it'll still be you know people still be uh, tearing the the team down. But uh, <laughs> it's 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 just going well. It's uh, it's all going well. Uh, it's been every. There's not been uh, there's there are moments still with like certain players uh, that are going wrong, uh, like they're making a mistake here and there that could can unravel a game, but. Uh, and I thought Ilya, Soro- Ilya Sorokin his last two games has been a little, um, you know, a little frightening, especially on shots. Like he gets beat clean on shots coming down the wing, which is strange. Um, yeah, that was Colin Miller's goal today. Yeah, Miller. Um, you know, not a great goal to give up. And then the, <laughs> especially down back to the um, Flyers game when the, he first played against the Flyers, he got beat clean a couple situations like that too. And but he'll get that sorted out. He's he's shown so many uh, other flashes that. He, you just feel com- comfortable with where he is. Um, and then Simeon Varlama- Varlamov has been spectacular. Uh, but like the, the, up and down the roster, we've we've now seen kind of the um, ideal lineup play a, a, a bunch of games. And, and you see like how powerful it could be because especially with the way Oliver Wallstrom's playing, Noah Dobson. I mean, Andy Green's been – he Andy Green had a slow start. I was getting really nervous uh, <laughs> to the season. I don't know what his numbers look like now, but he's not been – bad at all uh he's him and him and nick letty are the only two islanders who have yet to take a minor penalty this year too which is wow hilarious i was i was, I was watching green like he was playing someone pretty tight and i was watching the ref i was like he, i'm really nervous he's gonna call a penalty here because i don't think green's taking one and i looked it up and i'm like yeah it's green i know green didn't take one and then i saw letty i was like that can't be i like, cannot be yeah. but yeah nick, nick letty but like everyone's I, I, doing, doing their part is the point i was making I thought uh, I thought Green looked pretty good today. I haven't looked at the numbers or anything, but I, I thought he was he was pretty good today. He had a couple of nifty passing plays too at one point. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely things you can nitpick. I mean, particularly yeah, Sorokin. You know, the 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 Jeff Skinner turnaround. He he, you know, that was a pretty good 
thing. Just like the same with with Hall's goal um, wasn't too bad, and Ristolainen was on the side. It's kind of after a delayed penalty. What are you going to do? But uh, yeah, the 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 Miller goal was not great, and then you know with Varlamov, he led in that goal by uh, uh, Jacob Bryson. Not I guess no relation to uh, '80s crooner Peebo Bryson, but uh, you know, the 33 seconds into the game was kind of seeing eye shot, as Lee called it uh, afterwards. And so I mean, you know, w- would three straight shutouts have made us all feel better? Yeah, probably. But I mean, that's probably also not realistic. Um, and uh, you know, I, there's little things here and there, but I, you know, I think Barry will. We'll work on those and correct them. Uh, they, I don't know if they have off on Monday. They got the Bruins on Tuesday. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk all about that in the second half, including another three-game set against another team that's uh, on the bottom half of the standings in the division that uh, the Islanders are going to take on that's uh, going to get a little bit tougher. So uh, come back on the other side of the ads, and uh, we'll talk about that. All right. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos like the Long Island Ducks and uh, Ottawa Nationals of the WHA. They also have hats. If you want a cool Ottawa Nationals snapback hat, well, now you know where to go. VintageIceHockey.com. They also have our Al Arbor T-shirts, our portion of which goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. And you can use the code Lighthouse15 to save 15% off your order. So vintageicehockey.com, go there today. Uh, okay, so the Islanders just finished a three-game set with the Sabres, and uh, they have another three-game set coming up next weekend against the New Jersey Devils, who are also on the bottom of the standings, but, you know, I think a tier up of from the Sabres. Um, you know, they got their own problems, but certainly are going to be a tougher out. And I'm looking at the schedule, and it's almost like a video game. Like, you've got a sort of progressing – levels of difficulty so you had the sabers this weekend you have the devils three games next weekend this coming weekend and then the following weekend you've got three games against the flyers who are the high the hardest of the three you know so it's a little bit uh you know this sort of progressive uh, uh difficulty level working here um but just to focus on the the devil so the islanders before they even beat the sabers three times they beat the devils 2-1 in jersey um simian varlamov came within i think 30 seconds or so of a shutout uh, it was a pretty complete game, pretty even game, I would think. It was nothing, nothing after the first. Then all of a sudden, Oliver Wallstrom, you know, did what he does, which is send this really cool slap pass or slap shot through uh, the you know wickets of Aaron Dell. Uh, and then Lee scored, and then it pretty much stayed the same for the rest of the game uh, until uh, uh, Miles Wood sort of jammed the puck in uh, while the Devils had their goalie pulled. Um, 
you know, the, the devils are tough. Like they, they kind of get on my nerves a little bit because they got a lot of guys that, that have skill and can score and seem to, and this is going to sound awful. They seem to want to try. Whereas the Sabres again, had some guys that you weren't quite sure what they were doing out there. Um, these are still three games that I think the Islanders can most definitely win and frankly should win. Uh, Cause I mean, picking up another six points would be enormous. Uh, the Islanders do have a game against the Bruins on Tuesday. They've beaten them three straight times. I've said it after the last time. I don't know if they have it in them to do again, but uh, if the Islanders can have a similar week, like they had last week, uh, you're talking about building up a huge cushion before things get really tough in the end of this month and then into the next month. So these are huge games, even if they aren't quite Buffalo easy. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the the Devils, um, that's like the, there's no light at the end of the tunnel yet for the Sabres. I think that's the difference in between them. It's that the Devils have one. Um, but yeah, I think they had, they had Lindy Ruff called a, a meeting this morning for the Devils, so oh, you can yeah. He I think he called it a hard, honest, tough meeting. So you know that they they're uh, they're going to be ready to play. Uh, I think they're playing right now actually. But yeah. so luckily the Islanders missed the the meeting bounce game. You know they, they won't <laughs> get them on the on the come up from the big meeting. But um, you know the, uh, the it's just a beatable team, and and you're playing them if if you're getting them three games, like you just you just got to think about. What, what just happened with the Sabres? Like, you just got to do it again, and that's it. And, uh, it, of course, expecting three from three, three wins from three, especially three regulation wins from three is, is a lot to ask. But um, there's there, that's the way the team's rolling. Uh, there's no uh, kind of reason not to think it's possible, at least. And that, uh, the, that Devils game, too, I wanted to talk about that Oliver Wallstrom shot. Because you know, the last time we were talking about him, he we were saying like how he brings something different that we've we haven't seen from uh, an Islander player, even really good players. They've had great players over the past fifteen years, um, but he brings something completely different, which he basically showed. Um, it was you know a little bit of uh, you know karma or cosmic luck, I guess, that he did it right right after we spoke about it, which was from nothing, changed the game, just completely changed the game with a shot from the blue line that very few players in the NHL could have, could have scored that goal. And, and this 20 year old rookie can, uh, so he's, he's been great. Uh, everybody loves the, the nickname he's now been bestowed to, uh, which is great. He's just, he seems to be, uh, kind of just developing into a very likable player, uh, on the ice and, and off the ice. And the team seems to like him a lot too. And he's got, I mean, the, the other person, like we can, we talk about him as much as we talk about basically Barry Trotz or Matt Barzell, which is John, uh, John Gabriel Pajot, mm. who, who's like just a perfect set, uh, center for him because he's, he'll get, he'll win pucks. He'll go to, he knows where to go. He's got a nose for the net for rebounds off of hard shots. And um, he'll also take care of things defensively for a rookie. And he, he knows who he's playing with uh, on that line. And, and Michael Dalcole as well. Like he's a, he's such a gopher in, in the corners coming out with the puck uh that this it's just things are the things are clicking among that line too so uh now that you're talking about the devils or the sabers right the sabers have basically one and a half lines the devils maybe have two um if i think nico he sure is going to be out still i think he has a something called like he had a broken sinus bone or something yeah he came back and then left again i I think it was sort of concussion related but i'm not sure but it sounded like that but yeah he, yeah he came back and then had to go he was put on ir again 
Oof, that's that's just tough. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, he uh, like the Devils basically have two lines like, and they they struggle defensively big time. So th- these are teams like the Islanders that should and that you have reasons to expect them to win these games. Obviously, our old habits die hard, so we don't expect them to win any game ever. <laughs> and when like you said, when the Sabers scored that second goal tonight, I was like, oh, can I can't believe that this is this game's going to ruin a, a perfect week. Um, but uh, it's just they they just have an opportunity to to just build a gigantic but in this season terms uh lead over the fourth playoff spot or the fifth team place team in the division get some room to be at the top of the division and we saw last year like trots kept referring to how they built up that cushion in their long point streak and then they squandered it so this team going through that like they'll know like we can't basically like hopefully you either win or you learn so hopefully they learned last year, like even if we do have an eight point cushion on the Penguins or the Rangers or whoever in the last playoff spot, we saw what happens uh, when when this team goes cold. It can go cold and for it can last a long time. So hopefully they know that and that'll be in the back of their mind uh, if if they are lucky enough to to kind of create that big enough gap going. Yeah, forward. and I mean this year too, like it, that's even more driven home by the fact that you have these little mini series. So like if something were to go awry against say the devils or flyers, they know they have to get back and they have to beat these guys eventually anyway in the next game, you know, two days from now. So, so it's going to be a whole thing. Uh, I, I have more about this in the, the, uh, the column coming up tomorrow, but miles wood is a guy who kind of drives me crazy a little bit on the devils. Um, he, he's kind of like, uh, sort of a direct-to-video, poor man's bargain basement Kachuk brother. Like, he does – he tries to do the things that the Kachuks do. He's just not a, as effective at them. So he can score, and he can, you know, create penalties and fight or whatever, but he just seems like he's not – his heart really isn't in it to be the sort of full NHL heel troll that the Kachuk brothers love to be. Like, they just love playing that role. I don't know if their dad taught them how or whatever. Miles Wood's dad was Randy Wood, who used to play for the Islanders. So, like, you know, uh, he wasn't that kind of player, but so maybe he didn't give him. But like, was Keith Kachuk even like when I think of Keith Kachuk, like I know he's a power forward and, and no, he wasn't. He a wasn't dirty, that. Yeah, he you wasn't. Know. I think the sons are much like. It's not like they're not like like Claude Lemieux and is not right. Keith Kachuk is not Claude Lemieux and Brendan no. Lemieux who's, who is not as good as obviously the Kachuk brothers but it's pretty clear that he's Claude Lemieux's son like he plays yeah. <laughs> and he's just being you know a real like a gnat all over the place and dirty yeah. and whatever but yeah um, yeah I don't remember Keith, like seeing Keith Kachuk and being like that guy is, is dirty or anything he, he played in he played in the era where like everybody was a little bit dirty I guess and like all the great players had that true. sort of bit of dirt on them but he wasn't like an especially dirty you weren't like, oh man, I can't stand this guy. Like it wasn't that like that, you know. But um, he definitely didn't take any shit from anybody. Like he fought. And <laughs> he, he was like Anders Lee. Like he scored a, goal, a lot of goals in front of the net too. But he was really good. Um, but yeah. So Wood and Wood reminds me. I was, I was telling my wife about this. Like I, I don't know if you've ever noticed. Like, I don't know how, how into kung fu movies anybody is. But like after Bruce Lee passed away in 1973, um, a lot of Hong Kong movie studios tried to make these sort of like. Uh, imitation Bruce Lee movies to capitalize on his international fame at the time. And they would take these actors and they would like bill them in the movie as like Bruce Lee, but like spelled L I or Bruce Lee L E or like Bruce lie L A I, you know, <laughs> it was like, it, they, they were, it was nonsense. These movies are trash, you know? And so I, I wonder if like, you know, Miles Wood is sort of like the Bruce Lee of 
of Kachuk brothers. Like he's the fake Kachuk brother, uh, not doing, you know, it's kind of the knockoff uh, exploitation version of, of a Kachuk brother. But, you know, he's the exact kind of guy who's out there, you know, the Islanders have a two, two nothing lead. And you're just like, Man, this guy's going to do something stupid that's going to drive me. And sure enough, he's the guy who scores with the empty net. So, uh, you know, th- that's the kind of player that the, that the Islanders need to watch out for. But again, this is a team I'm sure Barry's going to tell him like, and that's another thing too that Trotz is good at is kind of keeping everybody focused on the game at hand. And so I don't expect the Islanders to look past the Bruins the same way I don't expect them to you know, look past the Devils when they're playing them. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, you know, it's going to be tough. Like I said, it's progressively tougher this getting it. And then, you know, it ends with the, the Flyers and then a you know weekend series against the Penguins, which is even tougher still. So I'll have to see how that goes. Um, the other thing notable about this weekend's games were – the uh, debut of the reverse retros. I was wondering when these were going to happen because it seemed like everybody else is. It seems like the Wild have played half their season in those reverse retros, North Star style jerseys. Uh, but the Islanders uh, finally took the ice in theirs on Saturday. Um, you know what? They look pretty good. I got to tell you, they're boring. I mean, they look pretty much like Island Islanders jersey. But it was weird seeing that color out there on the ice again. And a couple of times I looked at the Lee Barzell Eberly line and was like, is that Claude the Point with Michael Pekka and and Trent Hunter on the other wing? Because it's it was very weird. Like I'm like, wait, I've I've seen this before, but they were never this good when they wore these jerseys. Even that one year that they were good, they were they were much better looking than I thought. And I I, I kept uh, my suspicion was that you know how they still wear those um out their third jerseys, uh, the kind yeah, of the, stadium series ones, pilgrim uh, jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Like my th- my thinking was that. Lou Lamarillo was probably just like, look, he, he obviously we know how Lou feels about jerseys, more than two jerseys. He, we know how he feels about weird numbers. Um, it must drive him nuts that the Devils have a guy who wears 97, another one who wears 76, uh, a goalie who was wearing 47 the other day. Like, he must drive him nuts. But uh, he's probably like, this isn't the franchise that I built. Um, <laughs> but he uh, – I just thought he was just kind of going to sneak – try to sneak this season by without having to wear the reverse retros and just pretend that the – the other ones were, and you know, nobody would notice, but uh, yeah, they looked good. I thought um, I, I don't like, I don't think I'd ever buy one, not because they don't look good, but just because like, to me, like those jerseys have a place like um, in, in Islanders lore. That's a little, like it's a little different from like a fisherman Jersey, which is like, you're wearing a fisherman Jersey because if it's, it's, it's outrageous. It's just an outrageous thing. Like it's a crazy, crazy Jersey. Um, Whereas these ones, like th- those jerseys were, they're, sure, they're navy blue, but they were still like that classic Islanders look. One thing I love about the jerseys is that like they, the logo, the Islanders logo to me is awesome. Like I've always loved it, even as like a kid, just like staring at it. And part of it is, is because it's not a thing. It's not like a cat or like a wolf or something. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's just Long Island. It's a badge more than anything. I don't know. It's a big badge. It's just a, I love it. I've always think, thought it's great. Uh, and, and the, it, always looks good like on any jersey i feel like as long as it's uh you know not tampered with or like there's not too much going on with the the jersey but uh these i'm going off on a tangent but these jerseys to me like they 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 just like paid they paid homage to a an era that a lot of people who are islander fans it's either the dynasty era the the terrible teams or the uh you know whatever's going on currently so right now the parry trots matt barzell islanders but uh, that era like was extremely important to a lot of people like myself, like that that's when I was growing up and 
the most success that we tasted up until you know, like 2016 was uh, basically a, a, a game seven loss to the, the Capitals, a game seven loss to the Leafs, and uh, Wade Dublowitz poking uh, <laughs> a puck away from Sergei Prelin in a meaningless game for the Devils, but one that really mattered a lot for the Islanders. Um, so that, I like that's uh, that's why I was kind of like yes I, I of course would have loved to see them you know do something with the fisherman jersey just even if it was just to, to appease people but and I I do love those jerseys but the um the I was happy just because it made me think of those teams and I love thinking about them I think about them all the time obviously because we talk about them all the time on this podcast which probably drives some people nuts but uh then I think Brendan Burke tweeted out like think th- you know thinking about who who your favorite Islander was from that era. Uh, where they wore those jerseys. Um, and it was this long thread of amazing names, Dave Scatcher, Sean Bates, everybody, Mike Pekka, Yashin, Kavasha, you know, whoever. And all I was thinking the whole time was, the Islanders draft didn't draft any of these guys. <laughs> Whereas if he did this year, like th- those teams, those teams, as, as much as we, as much as I love Brendan Witt and Mike Sillinger, uh, Miro Shatan, like th- I love those guys for sure. Like they were great, but they all came from somewhere else. Like if he did that now, the Islanders, everybody the Islanders have had that's like made an impact has been drafted uh, and has been like homegrown basically on the island. Uh, it's just like, it's such a different, it's so different that, you know, yes, like that era was a lot of fun to be a fan. But looking back on it now, I'm like, wow, like it also shows me like I actually now know what success kind of should and feel like and look like and the, what results like are actually, what are actually good results. Mm. Like, uh, and this is this that it just it this, it was like another kind of weird like uh bring bring you back to like reality moment in a good way where you you do start to even appreciate this this era even more. Yeah, yeah, and, and like we've talked about that to the two thousand and one two thousand two team a lot, and then you realize okay, well Pekka trade Yashin trade. Even Kenny Johnson trade. <laughs> you know they didn't draft Kenny Johnson. Um, Osgood uh, Snow. A coin, Had yeah, a coin trades. trade. Claude the point trade. He was a free agent. Like they, I mean, the Islanders didn't sign any free agents back then. They signed Claude the point. Like that's, and he was like the one of their best players for a long time. Robert Reichel trade. Palfi obviously was drafted, but I, I believe he was drafted by Bill Tory. Yeah, uh, he was still, 90, maybe the 91, last one. He was ninety two. He was drafted. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, so, so it was like DPA Pal, Palfi and DPA Trail. Those are the right. two guys. And and Trent Hunter, Hunter even who, was well. Trent Hunter was a, was a trade. Oh he, right, yeah, he was yeah. a trade. Yeah, you're right. So, oh, geez, see, I didn't even realize. So yeah, I mean, you know, they had a couple of good players at that time, but yeah, the best of them all came via trades, and that just tells you how to, to absolutely abjectly terrible a lot of those drafts were, and you know why they were in such a hole. And yeah, you know, I've said it before too. Like, you know, for a long time, I was almost a Millbury apologist. Like, they had no ownership back then. People used to ask, you know, famously Mike and the Mad Dog asked him, you know, Mike, how do you still have a job? The reason was because there was nobody in the ownership box to tell him, you have no job no more. You're fired, you know. Um, but what changed my mind was the way Darcy Regeer ran the Sabres, who at the same time also had no money and somehow ended up in the playoffs and or the conference finals every year. And they just drafted incredibly well. And they had all these guys that were super duper good that came out of nowhere. And uh Mike just didn't do that. He just never drafted well enough to to overcome the fact that he had no money. Uh, oh, Brian Berard was. Oh no, he wasn't. He was a trade too. 
Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's like every 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 picture. You know, it was a lot of fun to scroll through the Twitter thread because you know you you think like oh look you know there's uh, Kenny Johnson or there's Adrian O'Coin and you're like there's something very different about those teams and and that to me was like part of my um, whole thinking of like no nobody ever talks like wants to be an Islander nobody ever you know seeks the Islanders out and, and you said like Claude the point like was their biggest free agent signing basically. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, th- and that's part of it. It's like my, when Mike Sillinger came to Long Island, like it, there were, there was no fanfare because he was Mike Sillinger, but like, that was a big move for that team. Like they were like, they were, I remember like the, the reading the team website at the time when Sillinger and Witt came being like, wow, they're making a big deal about these guys. And, and, and they should, because like Mike Sillinger is an Islander. And then you think, if I said that out loud at like a hockey fan forum, like, oh yeah, like the Islanders got Mike Sillinger, people would just be like, okay, like so yeah. he's played for ten teams. You're, his nickname is Suitcase for a reason. Like, there's nothing to be excited about. But that's how excited I had to. I had to like build myself up to be excited about players like that uh, because we we couldn't draft we couldn't draft Matt Barzell at the time, or you couldn't think about like Brock Nelson and Bovillia, even Scott Mayfield who. Sure, for like Scott is a, certainly a little. He's a he's an unmade bed of a player, like like uh, Leo Komarov in a way. That's how Gord Miller described it that one time. Like uh, like all these guys have been drafted, and, and like you you look around the room, and you're like basically everybody on that team, aside from seven or eight guys in the in from we're talking from the taxi squad to the to regulars, uh, has has been drafted by this team. It's just it's yeah. just night and day. The, the best guy that was drafted during that era was Roberto Luongo, who obviously didn't stay long <laughs> enough. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of like, you know, credentials and, and talent, he's the best one. And of course, he was the guy. And, and Zidane Chara, I guess, too, would be the other one, too. You know, one and two right there. And, and they weren't Islanders for very long. Um, but to me, when I think of sort of, you know, early Islanders free agent signings, LaPointe is one. Witt is another one that was he wanted to sign there. He He, he loved it. Um, Miro Shatan, who I still cannot believe was an Islander like that to me is still, you know, he, he he's a guy who, you know, you want on your team cause he scored goals, but he's not so good that you would just keep him forever, you know, like lock him down and Marty Biron. I don't know how much you remember of when they signed Marty Biron, but like he was, you know, he was kind of a, a sought after free people thought he was going to be an in-demand free agent. And he waited and he waited and he waited until about a week before training camp and he had no teams and he ended up signing with the Islanders for a year. And it was like, man, this guy did not think he was going to end up here of all the places <laughs> he was going to end up. And uh, I don't know. I mean, he was fine that year as far as I remember. I mean, again, that was a bad team. That so. was a strange that was a strange decision, too, because it was, it was, he, he joined a team that had Dwayne Rollison. Like, yeah, speaking like, of like this guy was an Islander, like who was awesome, like that's like. Marty Biron couldn't play games because even though the Islanders were terrible, Dwayne Rollison was the only reason they weren't getting seven, you know, seven two every night. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that was, I just remember that still there too. That Uh, whole thing was just so strange. It was like, what are you doing here? Like you felt bad for him. Like, dude, what are you doing here? Yeah, it was 2009, 2010. He went, no, he went nine, 14 and four. Okay. So he didn't do too bad. No, that's pretty good for, for that era. That's, that's, I guess if you prorate it, if you prorate it, yeah. you know how bad the team was 896 uh save percentage and uh that was yeah that was Tavares's first year so i mean they were they were pretty lousy uh yeah it was Rollison and and Rick who only he played in eight games that year which i guess is why Buran signed but yeah Rollison played 50 games 
He started 49 of them. He went 23 and 8, 23, 18 and 7, and had a 907 save percentage. He was great that year. And then he ended up getting traded and went to the conference finals with Tampa Bay. So, yeah, yeah. it was just a bizarre. R- Ty Wishart. Ty Wishart, yeah. yeah the, 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 the stay-at-home defenseman that was going to change the fortune of the franchise. They had they had their Tavares to build around and their Ty Wishart to build around. Yeah. Uh, that, that, was a, that was some trade. I like that Rollison in two two separate times in his career just like uh, would, you joined a team like that went went on a run deep into the playoffs as like a like a mercenary. He was like just always that guy. Yeah. Uh, but right. he he was uh yeah I always liked his his helmet his his roly roly. But uh he was uh yeah he he's yeah the true the true mercenary and you know, he just shows up and it's just lights out you know and then if, if anybody watched that that run he went on with the Oilers you'll never forget and then he got hurt and that was one of the yeah. most bizarre things anybody's ever seen <laughs> Ty Conklin UC Markin and yeah I remember Ty Conklin he like passed the puck and and a very important goal too like it was like a minute left in a tie game in like game one and he like just passed the puck into the slot hmm. to Rod Brendamore or something and the <laughs> Oilers lost the game yeah there's yeah, there's definitely a book a has anybody ever written a book about that that season coming out of the lockout and that that final in particular because there's got to be a, a there's a, a great story. documentary uh, or youtube like you know oilers produced documentary about it uh i think it's called like you're in oil country sadly during like the beginning of the pandemic i was looking for anything to watch and uh i watched it and actually enjoyed it uh just like seeing some of those guys like oh chris yeah i remember when chris pronger was on the oilers and then yeah. they went to the stanley cup finals and then the next Two days later, he's like, "I got to get out of this place." Yeah, <laughs> well, and he—the only reason he got traded there was because they had instituted the salary cap, and the Blues were way the hell over it. And they're like, "Well, we got to do something." <laughs> and so they end up trading Pronger for Eric Brewer, another Islanders draft pick, and a bunch of other dudes. And uh, the the Blues didn't—they—they they were not that good. After I mean, they had Al McInnes still, and they were pretty good, but that was pretty wild. And then, like you said, as soon as that final was over, he's like, "I got to get out of here." And then he won the cup with the. Uh, the ducks the next year so fascinating anyway we're, we're way off on top of now <laughs> so, but uh anyway uh so yeah another big week coming up for the islanders again a game against the bruins um i don't know what to expect um you know i'm sure barry will have them ready i'm sure the bruins will be ready they've not had a fun time playing the islanders and i'm sure they're pissed off and i'm a little bit afraid and then uh three games against the devils uh sunday's game by the way is at five so uh don't tune in at seven, despite you know the other two games are at seven. So don't tune in at seven. It's at five. And uh, they're actually, those last two games are in Jersey. The first one is in, at the Coliseum. So there'll be live live humans, I guess, at the uh, the one against the Devils. I don't think the Islanders are bringing people in just yet. But if they if you do go to the game, please be safe. Uh, wear your mask and bring your uh, sanitary, uh, your uh, hand sanitizer and uh, maybe some sanitizing wipes as well. So uh, the, uh, yeah, the, that's the about Bruins it. And they won't have... Brandon Carlo, because of Tom. Oh Wilson. yeah, and and the one thing I want to say about it, like I hate like the the discourse on like there these hits and stuff like going back and forth, and you know some you know smarmy journalists tweeting at like old school guys or whatever. I just hate it. It's like it, we we get it. Like it was a dirty play. You don't need to make you know Jim Jim Matheson realize like you know you don't need to like make fun of Jim Matheson while you're also saying like Tom Wilson needs to be suspended. Um, but the the thing that I that I don't I don't understand about it is like Tom Wilson and is is a, is a good player like he's much better than Matt Martin he's much better he's like a much better player Matt Martin has scored I don't know sixty goals or whatever I think it was in his career 
Tom Wilson does that in two seasons, three seasons. But uh, the difference is like Matt Martin plays a similar style of game, and he you don't hear people calling for him to be suspended every two weeks. Uh, Chris Kreider plays a similar kind of game, uh, and Alex Ovechkin plays a similar style of game. Like, and these guys don't get in trouble. Like, there's a so when people are like that's just how Tom Wilson and and, and this was something with. Trotz's capitals too like when Wilson drilled Viznovsky and ruined our lives like this this guy has been doing this for so long and he's the only one who's like still like doing it consistently like this is the, the it seems yes there's still stupid things that happen on the ice all the time in like one off like Brett Pesci slew footing uh, <laughs> uh somebody a couple of days ago and but like that's Brett Pesci you don't hear Brett Pesci his name you know being talked about with NHL player safety all the time because he's Brett Pesci. He's not, a, he's not like, you know, a dirty player. Um, Tom Wilson's like the only one he's there used, there used to be like 15 guys and they've all been, you know, basically run out of the league because they weren't that good. Uh, and now there's just, you know, Tom Wilson looks around and he doesn't see, you know, the, the same, that, that crew of players around him anymore. Like Zach Ronaldo's not getting regular minutes anymore. And those, like those kind of players just are not a thing that much anymore. Or they, or they've adapted their style. Like Matt Martin. Yeah. He got suspended early on in his career a couple of times, maybe once or twice. I don't um, even know. I, but it's been a while. I don't think he's been in trouble for a hit in, you know, I seven, mean, not, not since he's been back basically. Yeah. So like just, for- that's what they need to do. You just look around and be like, yeah, you can still do that. You can still hit people and play a physical force. Here's a videotape of guys who do it. And guess what? We don't have to yell about them every five minutes. Yeah. There, I mean, if you look at that line of Martin, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck and how how many hits they rack up. And I know people are like, well, the, the Coliseum overcounts hits. That drives me crazy too because it's like – these guys aren't skating in the corner by themselves. Like if you watch them play, they're hitting dudes. Like, you know, so if they get counted for six hits where really only four of them are like actual heavy physical contact, does it really matter at that point? You know, but like these guys hit all the time, everybody, and they don't take that many penalties. Like Matt Martin for what he does, doesn't take that many penalties at all. And he he barely fights anymore either. So like I, I saw a tweet too, that brought up a good point. Like, you know, all the, these these plays happen all the time. Yeah, but for some reason, when Tom Wilson does them, all of a sudden we got to talk about if he's going to be suspended or not. Like, there's one guy who does it, and we all have to kind of twist ourselves into pretzels whether or not he's 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 going to you know get suspended or not. And I hate the 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 phrase that drives me the craziest is, "Well, there was no the head wasn't the principal point of contact." Okay, so Carlo's standing by the glass. He turns to play the puck. Wilson hits him. And maybe hits his shoulder or his chest and Carlo's head hits the glass and then he crumples down to the ice and has to be helped off. I don't care what you hit. His head still hit the glass and he's still out with a concussion. Like maybe it's that kind of, you know, wire walking razor thin margin of error that is kind of causing these problems. And like, you know, Wilson wouldn't have to play that way if there were sort of more better defined rules for this. But like you said, I mean, there's there's a way to play that game without injuring people. And, you know, Matt Martin is a guy, even early in his career, I remember he got into a fight one time with, uh, I want to say Tom Katsopoulos, and, like, he punched him, and right, then yeah. he helped him off the ice because he was yeah. clearly in distress. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Matt Martin's just always been like that, you know? So, but, yeah, but, but there are people out there that will tell you that Matt Martin is the same kind of head-hunting psychopath that Tom Wilson is. And it's like, mm, no, you're wrong. He's not. <laughs> 
you know so it, and he's he's played well too like it's, it's yeah. it, you know, maybe maybe this four year contract is 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 going to is going to pay off big time uh, yeah <laughs> well well he scored two goals in the one game against the sabers and that drove buffalo fans absolutely bonkers so and again he banked one off the side of a goalie's helmet which i'm sure he's going to be telling his kids he meant to do that but it's, we all if know. you put we should we should you know if you juxtapose the matt martin doink off uh, the head goal next to Barzell's th- symphonic goal. Like, which one is like more impressive? From, <laughs> because like, there's one that's more impressive from a athletic standpoint for sure. But there's another one more that's more impressive from a I've never ever ever seen that before. I've never even thought that of of a goal like that before. So. Right. Well, and I mean, one goal like if I told you that like Barzell skated around a guy, cut across the goal mouth put the stick between his legs and scored, you'd be like, yeah, I could see that happening. If I told you that Matt Martin banked a puck off a goalie's, the side of a goalie's mask from below the goal line, you would be like, oh, come on. That's right. ridiculous. If you can only <laughs> see one of them, they're like, hey, we have videos of these goals, but you're only allowed to see one of them. And we, you describe them just how you described them. I think I would pick the Matt Martin goal. I'd be like, I right. got to see yeah. that. <laughs> I got to see it. That's pretty funny. Yeah. But yeah, a couple of all timers. Uh, and they all added up to uh eight points for the yeah, well, six points in there and then the two points against the devils. So time to take some more points from the devils uh and the Bruins. And uh we'll be back next week to uh see where the Islanders are at. Hopefully in the same place they are now, only further ahead of the rest of the division. Uh read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Listen to our podcasts. Uh, you know, PT Isles will be out again soon with Joe and Noel. Um, where can everybody follow you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes with your Twitter handle in it so that you can enter for a chance to win eBay swag. Uh, Mikey Calarco, you won last week. We're having trouble contacting you, so please get in touch with Mike <laughs> so he can send you your eBay swag uh, as soon as possible. Uh, so please, yeah, leave us a review. It's really great. We appreciate all the ones that people have sent in, uh, but we can always use some more because uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there. So this helps keep, <laughs> keep us on the uh, the top pages of uh, uh, iTunes and places like that. So leave your Twitter handle in the review so that we can enter you in uh, the contest to uh, maybe win some eBay stuff. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your week, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.